Welcome to today's episode of Jazz Beats, your number one podcast for jazz news and entertainment. Here are your hosts, Jackson and Tyson. That would be us. I'm Jackson. This is Tyson. Hello, everybody. Another week's gone by and welcome back. It's been so fun having guests on the show lately. It has. Don't and you we've, agree? We've had some high rollers, so I kind of feel like a big deal. It's so true. We had Bowler Jack on the show a couple weeks ago, Tony Jones And another last special week. guest today. And we have another one today. We, we've kind of been rolling with these guests. Oh, man. Um, we want to introduce uh, Sarah Todd, a Desert News writer for the jazz. Um, she has great stuff online. Um, I've really been, it's been fun reading her stuff and getting to, we've done a little digging on her, I guess you could say, to get prepared for this. So it's been fun to get to know her a little bit. I'm excited to talk to her today. She she comes highly recommended from our previous two guests as well. Uh, They had nothing but good things to say. Sarah, can you hear us loud and clear? Yeah, I can hear you guys great. Can you hear me? Of course. Yes, yes. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. We're so excited to talk to you. Yeah, it's nice to hear that. Uh, good things were said from Bowler and Tony, which means that I don't have to say bad things about them right now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, Bowler Jack, he, he told us he's kind of his story about March 11th. I don't know if you remember. Um, he, uh, I do. <laughs> you were at the game, correct? Yes. Yes, he, meant, he mentioned you on that. You were there and, and we talked a little bit of that. Pretty crazy stuff going on at the time. Um, and, then, and then Tony, we, we, we asked him after the show was over, kind of if he had any um, contacts he thought we thought um, would be willing to come on the show and that and this was we had already talked to you and set up this date so but he, he was your first response and was saying you'd be awesome so thank you uh, I love those guys that's very nice of them <laughs> Tyson go ahead you know I asked Bowler I, or I asked Tony I said hey do you got any dirt on Sarah maybe that we could put her on the spot and he <laughs> Good was luck, like Tony. And, and you know what he said uh, I'm not touching that I am yeah. not touching that <laughs> I, I don't. That's the last thing that I want to get into. So <laughs> that is the correct answer. <laughs> I would have killed him. <laughs> Plus, I have so much dirt on him that like he he could never. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll we'll press stop on the recording in a minute, and we'll we'll get to hear all that. <laughs> we'll stuff. be obtaining those files shortly. <laughs> um, he also mentioned your story. You have a pretty good story about how you got to Utah. Um, how you've kind of gone from West Coast to East Coast kind of cross country you started out in in the bay area correct yeah i'm from california and i went to journalism school in san francisco and um i started covering the warriors out there and uh, i was working for a startup and i was kind of getting to the point where i was running out of money because i was living in the bay area which is impossible. (laughs) I don't know how people manage to do it without like selling organs. (laughs) And so I, I, I kind of got to a point where it's like, I have to get to like a major Metro news outlet and I have to get out of the Bay area. And it has to happen like by the end of this season, which was the 2015 season. So I, um, covered the warriors through that first championship year of like their dynasty era. Awesome. Pre Durant, right? Pre-Durant, That's first awesome. championship, yeah. And and then, right, I mean, I guess through like the whole half, second half of the season, I was basically like cold calling newspapers and like sending my resume everywhere and just like trying to get on staff somewhere and finally got um, picked up by the Philadelphia Inquirer, which, I mean, it was an amazing opportunity. It's a top 10 paper in the country. And uh, it really gave me a chance to kind of 
create a good reputation for myself and add some credibility to my reporting career. And I left, um, the Warriors won the championship. I emptied out my uh, apartment and sold everything that wouldn't fit in my Jetta and <laughs> drove across the country uh, before the Warriors could even have the parade. <laughs> That's amazing. Like to, to pick up and travel that far um, for, for a job you've never, you've never been there. Did you go visit before or is this is just over the I phone? I flew out there for the interview for the job. Oh, cool. And that was, I mean, other than like covering games or anything like I'd never I didn't know anyone there um but that's not the first time I've moved somewhere I didn't know I've ne- I'd never been to San Diego when I moved there for college so my first t- go around for my first degree I then moved to Norway to finish my second degree and wow. didn't know many people there and <laughs> so it doesn't really worry me to be somewhere where I'm unfamiliar and then uh, I wanted to get closer to home and things really weren't, weren't working out for me in Philly after a few years and so uh, now I'm here in Utah, and I love it. We're lucky to have you. I think I think it's a good to have someone's perspective who's been to a few different teams and associations and written for them. We actually brought this up with uh, on our last podcast. We know Tony; he's a he's a he's a New York fan. Okay, so he's a Knicks fan. But I mean, he, mm-hmm. he writes. Are you are you a Jazz fan? I am not a Jazz. Fan. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Right in the heart. Oh, I know. no hesitation. So, so where's home for <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, tell us where your heart is. Well, technically, I mean, if if geographically, if I'm supposed to be a fan of where, the team that's closest to home, then I'd be a Kings fan. Oh, I'm but sorry. I'm not stupid. Yeah, so, good call. Uh, I'm yeah. not. <laughs> right, we get we pick uh, that up straight away. I, uh, I've I've never really been a team fan. My introduction to the NBA was through my brother and uh, during the Jordan era and. I was just, I was young and just like enamored with him as a player. And then growing up in Northern California, I didn't really care for Chris Weber or Mike Bibby or. And those are some good was, Kings teams too. Yeah. I don't like hero <laughs> ball. That's the problem. Okay. You should like <laughs> Utah also, then. Like, listen, I love, I love Peja Stoyakovich as much as the next person, but like he wasn't going to really bring me in as a Kings fan. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know too much about the Warriors and I most certainly wasn't going to root for an LA team because I was from Northern California. And so I just became a players fan and just like dived in as a hoops junkie and just started learning about the game on a more granular level. And so I really never committed to a team, my whole, to the dismay of so many of my friends growing up. (laughs) Uh, I was very annoying, (laughs) but yeah, and it served me well, I think, professionally, because I don't kind of have that uh, loyalty that I have to try to stray away from when I'm being objective. Yeah, I think a lot of um, kind of diehard or big-time fans, they'll either go one of two ways. They are completely home-based, biased towards the team, or they try not to be too much, where they kind of just bash on the team too much. So it, I love hearing perspectives like like yours, um, who you don't have a home home court i guess you could say but yet you love the game and you appreciate the game at any level and and any player so that's cool yeah i I love basketball (laughs) you do did you play basketball or was it just the the thing that just you enjoyed to spectate and write about yeah i played growing up uh, through high school i played a little bit in college and then when i moved to norway i played a little bit over there um and then 
when I started covering the game, got out of shape and just became a fat journalist <laughs> like everyone else. <laughs> so you, you played in Norway. Was this professionally? I hate talking about this. This is amazing. Uh, I'm, this I'm is so psyched right now. I saw the Norway on your history, but I didn't know you played ball there. <laughs> it's so stupid. I've said this on like one other podcast. Then we're honored. Okay, <laughs> so. It. She's joking. Come, you got this. It's not like technically it's not a collegiate team. Like it is a club sport in yeah. Norway. So like technically if you were having to say it it was <laughs> like at the club pro level Ooh. but in norway um i was the best player on the team and that both says something about me but says a lot more about them <laughs> i doubt that uh no, no that is really don't, cool don't doubt that like it's so bad they don't have a website oh right. next time i'm in norway i'll be like hey you guys uh i talked with sarah todd you guys know i know you guys know who that <laughs> no, is no right? no no they don't <laughs> like you're gonna be like oh basketball team and they're gonna be like what's that right <laughs> <laughs> no, not, that... so the this is how bad it was is that the mascot which there wasn't a mascot it was just the name on the jersey uh was the kittens Nice. Poor choice. So Poor there was choice. no guy. Incredibly intimidating. <laughs> there was no guy running around as a cat or no. or an actual there was, kitten. There was running no one the running around any. There was no one there. It was just us in a gym. There was nothing. I wish we had an t- opposing team with that name because I could come up with some really great chance. Uh, to are re- they all appropriate to, though? No, Tyson? They, no, they <laughs> wouldn't be appropriate. No, but they would them. be living room appropriate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that is actually really cool. Don't be ashamed of that. That's awesome. You're you're playing I'm somewhere that's better than not playing. Playing anywhere. ball over there. I'm not ashamed of playing ball over there. I it embarrasses me when I have to like explain that like yeah it wasn't like tied to a college and like it was club ball but like don't think that it was what you're <laughs> thinking. Like I'm five ten. I was probably the tallest person there. <laughs> wow, that's cool. Well, that, that's just a, another experience that you can have another buckle on your belt and, and just kind of understand where other players play internationally and how they grow in the sport and come back to the NBA and play their dreams out. It's pretty cool. No, I, I actually don't, and I cannot relate to that. <laughs> but it's very nice of you to that's, try. That's how, I'm gonna, that's how I'm painting the picture, Sarah. <laughs> international pro ball player i'm putting that down on wikipedia i can edit that myself i think so you've done it before I'll put that oh, in there. God. <laughs> kill me <laughs> no that's really cool so so how did you get from come philly to utah you said things didn't work out very well there um how did they come up was it were you again just just calling and calling and calling places or what, what, how did utah catch your eye yeah um i know eric woodyard uh, mm-hmm. And so when he left the Deseret News, I was aware that the opening was there. And I, at this point, you know, um, working in the NBA for this many years, I it's not like you have to cold call as much before yeah. you've gotten a real job. Um, and so I was talking to a couple of people. There were a couple of other teams that I was thinking about covering. And I mean, really what it came down to is that Utah is um, – Salt Lake City's 10 hours away from a 10 hour drive from my family. And uh, as I get older, the closer I can get to them, the nicer it is. And so that was kind of the real deciding factor. That's cool. Yeah. Um, And thoughts so far of Salt Lake City? I mean, 
so far everyone's been like very great to me and I I like what I've seen so far but I I try to tell people like remember that I moved here in December of 2019 I was basically on the road really heavy for two and a half three months and then the world shut down and so I mean I can count on my hands the amount of like restaurants or bars or places that I've been to in Salt Lake City like I really have not explored or discovered too much mm. yeah it's kind of um, sad um, yeah but i'm fully vaxxed now baby so like, yeah. it's coming good <laughs> <laughs> and what do you what are your thoughts after uh writing for the warriors the 76ers and I, and I know you were with us for a short time until the the long awkward break because of covid uh what uh, what are your thoughts on on our organization or even our fan base compared to other teams? Is it, Hold is on, it, is what, it what's similar? behind you? What are we looking at? Don't ignore the fact that like something's uh, going on. There. <laughs> that was my dog being smuggled across the living room floor. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I enjoy a dog, so don't try to keep those from me. Uh, I'll introduce you later. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that. The thing is, is like every fan base wants to think that they're different. That's what we know? want you to tell us. We've yeah. had the same conversation yeah. before this. We we think we're the best. Well, yeah, we or or up here. there, and we want to know are we? Want, well, and like, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> you think straight. you're the best. Like, what does that what does it entail? Because, um, like, I I think that everyone thinks that like they're the most passionate, or that like they get the most into. Oh, like, oh, we're we're sorry, we get a little intense, and we can be reactionary. It's like, yeah, they all can. Everyone yeah. is like that. Everyone overreacts to single games or like thinks the world is crumbling or is on top of a mountain when things are going well like everyone reacts the same and like every fan market like they show it in different ways but uh i feel i feel like everyone who loves sports can relate to all of those feelings well that's one thing that i like about sports is no matter which team, like the sport itself kind of brings people together because it's a passion that they can all share, whether they cheer for the same team or not sport, you know, is is a uniting effect on people. It's awesome. Yeah. I think competitiveness, like even though it's, it's, I don't want to say enemies going against each other, but opponents, but at the same time, you're, you're together on the floor or, or fan bases across the country. I know, but you're, you're competing and you're together and you're, you're, you have kind of a common goal too. I know it's kind of an opposite goal, but, you're both you're all striving to achieve the same things and that's what competitiveness i feel like actually brings people closer and together and, and sports does that for us for sure right right my family is going to be very happy to hear that because uh they hate how competitive i am and it has <laughs> caused many fights over many board games um, but i totally i mean I turned my entire life into a career of loving sports and so i completely agree with you i mean i think being around sports, learning more about them, even if you're not playing them, like just being a spectator and loving a sport, you, learning so much about teamwork and competition and discipline and grief and joy and success and loss is, I mean, it's such a, a well-rounded way to learn those lessons. And it's very special to me. That is really cool. We can, we can put that on a quote, like on a wall somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, ink that on that wall back there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. This blank, empty canvas needs to be full of Sarah yeah. Todd quotes. Um, no, that's really cool. Um, I, I got into reading about your articles a little more since we've talked, um, and I've kind of grown to like your your instant analysis after the games. Um, 
the for those listening who who haven't read much Sarah Todd, you first of all need to get out there and do it. Um, but she does. Is it every game you do this, or is this just? Yeah, every game. Every game, she comes out with this instant analysis with with bullet points of highs and then low notes. She calls them high notes and low notes. And then I don't know what I what I like about it is it keeps the format simple. I'm not a big reader. I like going to to YouTube for my jazz post game a lot of times. And but this keeps it simple enough that that I I stay um, my my attention stays there. But yet you yeah, also you're engaged because you don't have to read through like a novel, right? But at the same time, you kind of go deep into some of these bullet points and and get the point across. Is this is this like your style? You'd say or or I don't know. I appreciate this, what you've done. So, yeah, I was, you know, I wasn't doing that last year. I came in mid season last year and uh, this is kind of something that I I like to do rather than kind of the traditional like game article that you'd get. Mm -hmm. You know, I I figure most people who are clicking on a story of mine after a game have either watched the game or they're already on the internet. And so they can look at a box score if they want to. And they go to YouTube and watch the highlights. And so like, I don't need to recap the whole thing for them, but there are going to be certain things that like I'll notice through the course of a game that maybe like a more casual fan won't notice or that they'll pick up on. And when they see that I picked up on the same thing, it'll be like validating. And so, you know, not, I, not only do I want to like write stories that the readers might not find elsewhere and give insights that they might not find elsewhere. But I want to, I want to give them what they want. And I don't think that they want to, you know, come to me and kind of get the traditional recap. And so that's what that's geared toward. I love it. Yeah, that's, that's really, speaking of recent articles, you just, it was either today or yesterday, you had an article about uh, the the schedule and how tight it is and some of the injuries mm. that have taken place. I re- I think I think it came out this morning from, from yeah, it was today. Um, what what are your thoughts on on that? Do you do you think that this tighter schedule is actually what's causing a lot a lot of these injuries for players? Because it's obviously they're almost playing three out of four nights. Uh, it's 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 a lot on the body. Yeah, and I, you know the there is data about injury and like timing for the NBA. And so like, for example, the NBA averages like roughly three ACL tears a year. And this season we have four. And so that's like around average, right? right. We've still got a month. We've still got a month to go. That's what's concerning is we and still a, have a, and month. a shortened season. We're 10 less games. Right. And right now we're hitting the point where like players are starting to actual feel the effects of the fatigue from this season. And so this last month is going to be the most concerning of the season. And this is where people are really going to dig in and watch because, you know, if, if the injuries kind of fade out and players get a little bit more rest and then everything is fine heading into the playoffs, then we're going to look back and be like, Oh, maybe we were worried for no reason, but like you can see it on guys' faces after the game absolutely they're they're exhausted they're playing you know they had the jazz have had they will have had eight back-to-back sets just in the second half of the season that's insane that's That's too many are other teams having that similar back-to-back situation yeah so this is league wide it's like rough roughly between like six to ten and I'm the and the teams that had multiple games postponed in the first half of the season, they're dealing with it on a higher level. And so you've got like the Wizards and the Grizzlies, and those play those teams are, you know, the Grizzlies are maybe fighting for the eighth seed. 
in the West and the wizards are not doing anything. And, but even if like they don't make the playoffs or they fall out in the first round of the playoffs, like they still had to endure this season. And so then you have to wonder like, was it worth it for us to go through all that and maybe suffer these big injuries? And if you're like a team that makes it to the finals, like maybe it was worth it to actually go through all that. But anything under that is questionable. Yeah. I think uh, Mark Cuban came on, went on to a, I don't know whose podcast or what show he was on, but he was saying how this season and the scheduling was a huge mistake and how he was one of the biggest advocates because he wanted us to start getting back into normal and start playing. And yet he's talking about it being a huge mistake. You mentioned the players are exhausted, right? They're, they're doing in it from a fan's perspective where you just hear post game interviews and follow them on social media they're doing a pretty good job of hiding that. Are you seeing or hearing different things? You've got a little more access than we do, obviously. Are you actually hearing players talk about this? Yeah, I mean, just within like the last week, I think. um, Because what they'll usually do is you're not going to get an NBA player that is going to come out post-game and tell reporters like, Yeah, we lost because we were super tired and we just couldn't fight through it. <laughs> like, right, yeah. That's just not what they're going to say. They're not programmed to talk like that. And they don't like to, you know, excuse themselves for not performing well. Um, but within the last week, when you ask them, like, are you are you feeling fatigued? Are you starting to feel tired? Are your legs underneath you? And they're like, yeah, I'm starting to feel it. <laughs> Like it's, it's getting to the point where like, they can't really deny it anymore. And and the body language is such that even if they were to say like, no, I'm fine, I'm going to power through, like these guys are gassed and you can just tell when you look at the way that they're talking or walking. Yeah. I think you can see some frustration and it's, it's kind of hard because you want to see the best performance. You almost want to see them become a more polished player by the end of the season. So their averages are going up and their shots going up, but if they're too fatigued, you know, then we almost don't get to see that at the end of the year. It almost kind of has the opposite effect of that. But I'll tell you what, it's it's going to be an interesting playoff, and certainly health is going to be one of the key factors for every team moving forward uh, and their chances to advance. Um, how are you doing? You're you're covering every game. Um. <laughs> I'm serious though. Is it is it as grueling on you? I can't imagine you're you're doing twice your work load in the same amount of time. Kind of as what the players are as well. Is it affecting you or other journalists in the business? Well, hold on, hold on. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Okay, I cut out for a second. Um, all right. I don't. I'm not gonna like say like uh the physical toll no, of being I on Zoom three times a day, like, you know. Um, but what sucks for me is that uh, I love my job and so much of that job is being like in and around the game. And so it's like, you know, being in a tunnel and like talking to a front office person before or after a game and like being on the road and like having dinner with sources and like connecting and going to a shoot around and noticing kind of who's in a good mood and talking to guys in the locker room that are kind of off to the side and like getting those stories that you can't get when you're on Zoom with like 10 other people. Like it's just, it's taken away the creativity and 
sort of the like special nature of what this job actually holds. And it feels soul sucking and I hate it (laughs) and I can't wait till it's over. Um, I'm really hoping that by next season, sooner if they could, but hopefully by next season that we can get back to being around the game a little bit more because I mean, I think that the coverage has suffered and I hate that for the readers. Um, I mean, I'm sure that you guys have noticed, you know, you get, you get three, four, five, six of the exact same story from, you know, five or six different people every day. It's because we're all on the same zoom. We can't do anything original. And so it's, it's really hard to do original reporting right now. And, uh, and just can't wait till we're back to that. It's getting harder and harder to, to get, true and accurate information on what Joe Ingles actually said <laughs> on the court that really just ticked whoever was like, I don't even know anymore. I could, nobody knows. We need people on the court to report this stuff. And that's the thing is like, I think that if we were in the locker room, there wasn't a camera, the TV mics were gone. Like we might've been able, somebody, one person, one reporter might've been able to get him to say it. You know, <laughs> right. But he comes onto Zoom. It's got and everybody's recording it. It's going to go on the internet immediately after his face is there, and he's asked, and he's like, "No, I'm not gonna, no." Right. His kids will watch this in forty years from now. They're going to read know yeah. everything about it. Nobody in their right mind wants censored Joe Ingles. Everyone wants right. raw Joe no. Ingles coming at him. Speaking right? of which, I can't remember who we had this conversation with, but is there? You know how they have the players' mic and the coaches' mic? Can we get uh, a, a players' mic on Joe Ingles? No, you won't. It won't ever happen. And, if, if, I mean, pay, pay attention to those things too, because like those are all you. Those are all pre-recorded. Like those are not on a. Those are not live. Like you get that on a tape delay, and they very specifically don't show you the things that they don't want you to see. So right, right. you're never going to get Joe Ingles mic'd up, which and would be the do, whole game for like, Joe, right? So yeah. there'd be no audio. But if if you could, I mean, we could. That would be a platinum. Uh, a CD, or if you could put that out somehow, that'd be that'd sell. The like underground crazy. market would be huge for oh, that. Oh my think. gosh, maybe we can plant one on the that. above ground market. Would be any, any, if you just any of those mic'd up games, if you were just like, oh, we'll sell the raw audio, yes. unedited. Yes, I'll I'll buy them all right now. Yeah, it'll <laughs> be get, my ringtone, hundred percent. I'm gonna love it. Yeah. Let's get Cuban and his NFT uh, obsession to to get in on this. So right. <laughs> No, definitely some some strange things going on this season. I, at the end of the day, I'm glad we're playing. Um, hopefully, we can have healthy players on, on every team. I hate to see the Jamal Murrays go down because that, that series last year, I know we lost, right. but it's probably one of the most memorable se- series for right. me, and it it's will be for a long time. About, still talked about. Just with how Murray and Mitchell went back and forth like that was incredible. So I hate to see guys go down like that. You want to beat teams at their best, and hopefully right. we right. can get – team's best in the postseason and and be healthy yeah for sure yeah and that that series is also I mean that's not just like a memorable one because it was you know the performances that the fans will remember but you know it was really important to the development of Donovan and and a lot of players on the Jazz and they talk about it still like they're still talking about it and so it's it's not like Oh, can we stop talking about this series? Like, no, it's on their minds. They have not forgot about it. They watched the film. It's on, you know, and I think that they feel the same way. Like if they were to go up against the Nuggets to have Jamal Murray not be there and have him injured, it's it's not the same. And that's really unfortunate. And they don't want that. I think you can even go up to Quinn 
Um, a lot of people saying Quinn got outcoached the last three games of that series, and I'm sure he's had his nightmares about it, and it's on his mind every day. So, yeah, it, it was amazing. So I hope we can have more comp- competition like that. Yeah, and it's going to be an interesting playoff anyway, the way that the, the teams kind of get into the, the last few spaces. Uh, again, the seventh and eighth seed, they're just going to be more fatigue again because the eighth seed, I think, has got to play another game to, mm-hmm. to stick it in there. Yeah, so. and there's between the play and tra- So the season ends on Mar- on May 16th for the Jazz. I think, actually, overall, they play on the last day of the season. Yeah. And the play-in tournament starts two days later on the 18th. And some of those, like, a team might have to play two or three times to actually win to get the eighth or the seventh seed and then 22nd, the playoff start. And so teams that are not in the play in tournament might get five days of rest, right? Six. If they're very lucky, it's crazy. And the play in player, like we're talking about literally one day off and then right into the playoffs. That's gotta be a huge advantage too. They're doomed getting the rest. Yeah. They are really are doomed. That's the seventh and eighth seed is cursed this year. Yeah. Um, talking about healthiness and that, um, say we come down, let's get into the jazz team a little bit more. Say we come down to the postseason and we, and we lose a guy. Are you at all concerned? I know our, our bench is phenomenal and we've talked about the, the depth of it because we have two possibly six man of the year contenders on our bench right now. Say somebody goes down. We've, we've played without guys these last few, few games and we have to rely on a, a Mia Oni or a Brantley coming in. Does that concern you at all with these these guys with limited minutes stepping up and getting 15 minutes a game come playoffs, 15, 20 minutes and with the inexperience that they have? Or should we have some concern if we happen to not be healthy? Well, two things. Number one, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Like any team that is going to have to turn to a player that has only played like, you know, 17, 18 games and mostly in garbage time this season. Like that's concerning because if you're going to have to rely on that in the postseason, like no matter how ready they are or good they are, the inexperience is going to show in certain moments and they just can't keep from that. Like there's nothing that can make up for repetition. And, but I mean, that's a good learning ground in the playoffs that they they'll improve a lot in those moments. (laughs) Um, Number two, I, it's no secret that I absolutely love Jarrell Brantley and I think he's amazing and that he deserves a shot. And he's the kind of player that if he was, and I say this with all of the professional player evaluation (laughs) that I have in my past. Here we go. I'm ready. (laughs) He's the kind of player that does not do well, like in spot minutes. If you put him with like guys that are on a starting rotation or a mix of like starters and and bench players rather than just five mop-up guys at the end of a bench who are all just trying to, you know, show their ass off so that they can actually get a chance. Right. He is going to shine. That's exactly what happened on Tuesday against Oklahoma city. He was the only one that was effective against Dort on defense. And if you're missing a guy like O'Neal and you're turning to players like George Nyang or Mie Oni, to be like your wing defenders outside of what you already have in like Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Jarrell Brantley is a really good choice. And I want all nice things for him 
and there I, probably by the time this comes out, there's going to be a glowing article that I wrote today about him. So <laughs> that'll be there. <laughs> wow, that's some good insight right there, folks. Will you please include his quote in his press conference last night? Because that was just awesome. If you weren't smiling during that and just loving life and seeing the glow about him, he was so happy. I love he's that. the happiest person I've ever like okay this is all in the article but I'm just gonna say like <laughs> the guy gets drafted right 50th not great not expecting a lot yeah, from his that's, life that's not right, a great in number the NBA. <laughs> he he gets a two-way uh he's like getting some minutes here and there but it's very clear that he's not going to be a part of the key rotation and then coronavirus upends his rookie year and it's like okay well that's not that's not a fun way to do this he he coronavirus also he has to cancel his wedding to his high school sweetheart oh no and shoot and because that's going to be in july and so not all not only is they scared to like have their family travel and everything it's supposed to be in south carolina but he's also going to the bubble because they can take two-way players there and so he goes there he shows out really well it's like him and Mie. they do a really good job in the seating games and it's like maybe one of them can step up Come to the next season, it's Mie. It's not you, Jarrell. <laughs> and so, again, it's just like another knockdown. And this guy, like, will not stop smiling. <laughs> uh, him and his fiance just had their first baby. He's, like, has never stopped smiling in the history of his life. And then last night, he comes in. He plays 22 minutes. He takes over Mie's minutes because Mie can't defend Dort, and he can. And so he plays the whole second half. He does great. 10 points, four rebounds, an assist. He would have had more if Matt Thomas could hit his shot. <laughs> and <laughs> he's just, I, the low defensive stance that he gets into on the perimeter, it's like you don't get that from a lot of players. And he moves so quick. His legs are like tree trunks. Like if you're looking for a comp to who he could possibly be, Lou Dort is the guy to look to. And I just think he's great. And he's such a positive guy that it's hard not to like him. And like you said, at the end of his post game yesterday, I mean, he, he said things like, I don't know if I'm going to play for the rest of the year, but tonight was great. And right. he says that every night he goes into the game, he knows he might not play, but he goes in and he tells himself like, I might play tonight. He just, <laughs> he like gets himself jacked up for these games that he probably won't play in. And then he ended his press conference by saying, these moments are amazing. Tonight was amazing. I don't know what tomorrow holds but tonight was amazing and just sat there and smiled. (laughs) This is such good insight because I feel like a lot of the fan base, they say, Oh yeah, we're killing it by 17. Here comes, they don't, they don't, they don't even know how to pronounce half the guy's names that are coming in in the garbage (laughs) minutes, let alone have any type of personal connection or in in, any insight in what that person's like. They might know what he's like as a player on the court in those specific minutes, but to get this type of insight of what type of person it is, I mean, and that's what makes me love the Jazz so much is I know the people, and I'm going to be really watching him a lot closer. And I hope that every listener starts to appreciate him more as a person and as he, and as, as he is on a player on the team. So that's awesome. Yeah, I think that upcoming, we might actually get some more minutes with him because not only, like, you know, Quinn is a guy who will give minutes to guys who take advantage of their opportunities. And so um, it's it's very, I mean, I think if Royce O'Neal is getting a night to rest, it's very likely that we're going to see some of the other main rotational players get a night off here and there before the playoffs start. And when that happens, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Brantley got a little bit more run with the team. And I would love to see it. 
Brantley on LeBron. I want to see it for a few minutes. All right, everyone calm down. <laughs> First of all, nobody can stop him, but but if you could if you look at Brantley, That's what I'm you saying. think he has a chance cuz like, that guy is gigantic. Like he's athletic enough. Yeah. It, it, it's just going to take some experience to know how to guard him, you know, yeah. but it would be super fun to watch. That's so cool though. I love these un, unheard untold stories about some of these guys. You don't get them in a press conference very often. They right, don't have right. a big following online. They don't get that person personality out very much um so this is why i love this podcast and and getting these amazing journalists on like sarah here so we can hear some of these insights and stories because this is this is what's what's fun to me is is hearing this kind of stuff so thank you yeah what what do you think of uh clarkson's outfits Oh, I love, I'm also a Jordan Clarkson stan. <laughs> Bring up the two guys that I love the most. I'm just like unabashedly fans of these guys. This is what I'm talking about. Like, uh, I wouldn't call myself a Utah Jazz fan, but like I'm definitely a Jarrell Brantley and a Jordan Clarkson fan. Right. <laughs> no, right. but but Tyson did say, what do you think about his outfits? His outfits. I love his outfits. Okay. I drip so hard. Okay. <laughs> Against the OKC, the, you heard the announcers, they talked about how Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson just were so stylish. And then they looked over at Joe Ingles, and he was just in sweats. Yeah. Just sweats top yeah, to bottom. Yeah, but I was Jordan like, but Clarkson was also just in sweats. Yeah, his... But they were like... Yeah, but they pink? had swag. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Conley was wearing a lot of denim. I've noticed that. Right. He's, right. he's done that before. But... Well, that's he was cool. like top to bottom denim the other night. I... Mm. He had a Beetlejuice shirt on one time. That's cool. One game, but I, that's I've not, I'll never forget. I think that. that'll slowly. The night before, the night before Jordan Clark, he's wearing like that pink sweatsuit. Yeah, yep. on Tuesday, turtleneck the night before, thing. Yeah, he looked like he was about to go hunting some hillbillies <laughs> wearing like camo bottoms, Welcome to Utah, like baby. a t-shirt and like a flannel over it. It was great. Nobody else. Nobody else. Love it. That's Love awesome. It. Yeah. Maybe those styles will slowly trickle their way down to Central Utah. In like four or five no, years. <laughs> I made the point on Twitter. Like if I wear my oversized like zip up onesie with a hoodie. Do it. Do it. I look like a slob and rightfully <laughs> so. Jordan Clarkson puts on my exact outfit and he's going to look like a god. Yeah. So I start sweating. are not trickling down. Okay. <laughs> Maybe next interview, next time we get together, we'll all pick our favorite Jordan Clarkson outfit and wear it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Don't have to tell me twice. 100%. I'm in. I've got a pink sweatsuit. <laughs> Sarah's in. Tyson's in. I'm in. Let's make it happen. Hey, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so much fun. I love hearing your insights and stories to, to things we don't get to, to see as normal fans. So we really appreciate you coming. Yeah, thanks no for problem. taking the time. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, anytime, guys. Um, if you haven't read much of Sarah's stuff, get on the Deseret News. Um, she Most of the jazz stuff is from her, so get on there and read it. Follow her on social media. She has some great some great back and forth on Twitter, so keep up with up to date with her. Sarah, thanks again. You guys have been listening to Jazz Beats. I'm Jackson. This is Tyson. Thank thanks, you. Thanks for listening.